0: Talk to your local agent today. Support for this show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the
1: complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at Mercury.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. Scott Galloway is in line at the bank trying to get his money out. Now he can. Today, I'm joined by pop culture expert Texan and host of Intuit, Sam Sanders. Welcome, Sam.
2: Hi, Kara. It's so good to be here joining you from Austin, just an hour and a half north of my hometown of San Antonio.
1: Wow, I we're both in Austin. Uh, we're, we're we're at South by Southwest. I do yeah. a bunch of interviews. You're doing a bunch of things. We had a nice Fox Media dinner last night. Oh, yeah. What do you? What have you been doing here?
2: So I on Friday night I got to moderate the panel for the premiere of Swarm, oh. uh, this new Amazon Prime Video show, uh, The Brainchild of Donald Glover. It's mm-hmm. all about a pop star who feels a lot like Beyonce mm-hmm. and a super fan of hers starts to kill people for this pop star oh. <laughs> and it is probably the first time I've ever seen a black woman serial killer on screen wow. it's really good so that wow. was Friday night
1: so wait so that's like the beehive getting murderous right exactly the that's getting. why it's okay. called swarm yeah right. Got and it. apparently Beyonce's uh-huh. seen
2: it I have an interview uh-huh. with the uh, showrunner that runs tomorrow in my podcast feed uh, oh, it's wow. a good show it's, it's a really why good show. A
1: murderous fan, because why? Tell me why. It makes you show.
2: question a lot of the ways that we are all fans of people that we love. Yes. It makes mm-hmm. you question internet and social media culture. It's one of those shows that leaves you with more questions and answers. And right. I love those. It was really good.
1: Right? Seems dark. Murderous yeah. fans. Wow. And then
2: on Tuesday, I'm interviewing Julio Torres, uh, former mm-hmm. SNL writer, uh, has a few comedy specials and a former show on. I think HBO, called Los Espookies. He has a new kind of comedic movie about immigration. Oh, uh, it, it's always a funny and,
1: topic, but go ahead.
2: Yeah, it's him and Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's wonderfully crazy in this movie. Yeah, and the whole usual. thing is just whimsical and delightful. So that's wow. my week. Oh, yeah, oh what wow, about you? that's
1: great. I had to interview uh, Kevin Systrom. Uh, who okay. was who's star He's the founder of Instagram, uh co-founder, and then he has a new company called Artifact. He's trying to change the way people read news and get uh-huh. good quality news, and that was great. That was on the main stage, and then I ta- I did a little thing with Jose Andres, who was quite. I was important. there for that. Yeah, yes, he asked a good question. He was he was really really great. I don't think he gave you an answer, but nonetheless, <laughs> it was it was good. And he's obviously a famous chef, World Central Kitchen. This morning, I had a thing uh, with Slack where I interviewed Lawrence. Wright, who was a great writer, and he wrote a big piece about te- Austin and the changing Austin. Essentially, Austin is inheriting all the jackasses who left San Francisco, and I was like, "Good luck, oh, Me, yeah. you know, the ones and- who complained about San Francisco and wouldn't yeah. stop complaining. A lot of them are here in Miami, and so we talked about that and the changing nature of this this city, which is sort of a a, a well of liberalism in in texas which is quite conservative and also how that changes with all these libertarians and especially someone like elon musk moving in and so who wants was,
2: to build his own town right i That's know right the new well word. he wants to build his own
1: town but there's lots of people joe lonsdale a whole bunch of people have moved here along with hollywood's more hollywood celebrities wow. etc and it, you know it was good he was you know he's been here since 1980 so he's an immigrant to the city too yeah but loves it he's from texas also like you are he's yeah. And so um it was good discussion about the changing nature. And as we were talking, we were surrounded by all these giant buildings. And Austin has changed so much. Um And this idea of keep Austin weird is that sort of a quaint. That's over. It's over. And these people that are coming in are not, they're weird in a bad way, in a dark way. And so we'll see.
2: I have been coming to Austin since I was a kid in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And it actually used to be weird. It actually used to be edgy. And it's kind of gone the same way as Portland, Oregon. It's almost sister city. It got too expensive. And now you walk down south congress where it mm-hmm. used to be the live music capital of the world yeah you know there's a soho house in these mm-hmm. fancy stores i usually only see in los angeles it feels like los angeles yes
1: it does in a lot of ways and yeah. you know i have to say san francisco i just i'm going back in a week it's gotten better it's been cleared out it's like the, <laughs> it's like the rains have come we've washed out the assholes uh-huh. and it's back to being just a lovely place to oh, live yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and we have problems. But one of the things that drives me nuts is how these people leave and they can't stop talking about San Francisco and the California. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm like, well, you're welcome for the Internet, all those fruits and vegetables, and we will keep <laughs> innovating. And you can exactly. good luck. Good luck oh, yeah. here. Good yeah. luck wherever you go. Yeah. So.
2: My only fear with the folks coming to Austin, mm-hmm. uh, it's already getting too expensive for folks. And it, it seems like some of the tech bros that have come out here are going to start to trickle down to San Antonio. Yeah. Don't do they it. Are. Yeah, Leave my yeah. city alone. Leave oh, San Antonio alone. No, they can't. Out of this. They want to
1: take over. They're like a mold, my friend. You'll yes. see. You'll see. And then they'll complain about the homelessness or you're too nice to mm-hmm, poor people. And then mm-hmm. we'll go on from there. They could care oh, less yeah. about anybody but themselves. Anyway, good luck, Texas. <laughs> Enjoy. We're happy. To, I, you know, when they started complaining, there's two things that happened uh, when they left, some for, many for Miami, many for Texas. And Texas has had, a, has had a very significant tech scene for a long time. Not a huge one, but yeah. a, very important with people Dell. And,
2: Dell came from Texas, yeah.
1: Apple had a big uh. facility, a lot of stuff, and it, it started off as a place where we were going to win in the semiconductor wars in the '80s. So it's it's hmm. had a long history, and it's never you know rivaled Silicon Valley. It still doesn't, but nonetheless, the rocketry has been here, and Elon's not the it's just the latest, but it's always NASA has been here and everything. And one of the things that was interesting is when they leave, they always talk endlessly about San Francisco. And it's, It always reminds me of like a girlfriend that someone who broke up with you, and you can't stop talking how much you hate her. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. That kind of thing.
2: Yeah, and then. Oh, yeah.
1: And, you know, I'm like, good luck, goodbye, see you, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. That's well, And this feeling. is
2: what always bothers me about those kind of people. Mm-hmm. They have the means to move anywhere, but sure. they're awful everywhere.
1: Yes. They, they never are. find and a also, place
2: where they'll be happy and nice. No, exactly. Happen. And
1: also they're here for taxes. They don't have them. They yeah. don't like taxes and yeah. they don't like poor people and having to pay for poor people or homeless people. And so mm-hmm. they blame it on wokeism and this and that. And they'll do the same thing here. They're, they're, yeah. they're like locusts and you're welcome <laughs> for your billionaire fortunes. You should thank California and whatever. Good luck. <laughs> li- I hope they build things. And just remember Alex Jones is a homegrown native here. So <laughs> you can build, you can make your own assholes. Command uh-huh. Anyway, I love Austin. I do love Austin and I have a great time. Have some good barbecue? I, yes, I have a little Where'd bit. Where'd you go, um, Salt Lake? I, I, uh, I can't, I can't no. eat meat as much as I used to. I don't well, eat as much, but why I love here, it. it was, I love barbecue, but I just get, i am getting old, Sam.
2: I got the big beef rib. Where? Where at you go? Terry Black's barbecue?
1: Oh, nice. Anyway, today we'll talk about laundry taxes and the Oscars. That's why you're here. Near sweep by everything, everywhere, all at once. And also the worst case scenarios playing out in user online privacy. We'll get to that. And we'll take a listener question about podcasting. Sam, you have to answer that. Okay. Let's talk briefly about the latest with Silicon Valley Bank. President Biden addressed the nation early on Monday. He said that executives at failed banks would be fired deservedly. His comments came after the government shut down another bank over the weekend, Signature Bank. The government has said that depositors in both banks will be made whole, even above the $250,000 insurance mark of the FDIC. Mark, investors, on the other hand, will not be bailed out, as they should not. Here's President
3: Biden. Investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. That's how capitalism works.
1: I think he's correct. Investors should not be protected. They took a risk. I, there's a hundred, that's how capitalism works, a very good way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk more when Scott returns on Friday. But one of the things that I would like people to remember for disclosure is Vox Media Banks with SVB. Jim Bankoff had a sigh of relief last night when that was announced. <laughs> this, is, this is not a bailout, by the way. This is not a bailout. They are going to take control of the treasuries and the assets. The reason they had trouble is they were doing a fire sale on treasuries, and that's why they were – Losing the money. The government's just going to hold on to these assets and own them, presumably. They will also own the loans. They possibly could make money on this. This is not a bailout of rich people. The the rich people who are the investors are getting hosed as they should be. Um, but just try to keep that in mind. And there's been a little bit of ugliness about, let's not say rich tech people. These are small businesses, lots of employees. It's, there's no good, especially when there's no cost to the federal government here. It's the right thing to do. It's an elegant, easy solution. And uh, it's, it's, the government at work and what really drove me crazy I had a lot of difficulty over the weekend because a lot mm. of the tech bros were going were screaming in all caps about hmm. this and that. Hey, they were government. mad about this? No, they were mad about the government not stepping in. Of course the government was going to step in. They are just so dumb. Yeah. And they just they just scream and now they're taking credit for screaming. And they what oh they God. did is cause panic and fear and anger and everything else and they did no good and you didn't have an impact boys. And let me just say on pivot we had an emergency one Everything we said was going to happen, happened, because we're calm, and we don't have to scream just because I get stuck a little bit.
2: This is what I wanted to ask you about. I've been reading up on this. I don't Mm -hmm. know this world too well, Mm -hmm. uh, but I have been getting some really interesting emails from First Republic Bank the last few days. I just signed a mortgage with them.
1: (laughs) Your mortgage will be fine. Don't worry, don't worry.
2: It'll be fine. But one of the things that I was reading about, or a few things I was reading about with this bank failure, the thing that this bank was going through happens to a lot of banks. Mm -hmm. And the way that they were going to address it is the way a lot of banks address it, but they didn't communicate effectively to this type of crowd. I keep Mm -hmm. reading that- Yeah, this
1: crowd sold fast. They're very online.
2: Well, that's the thing. This is a different type of bank customer. Mm -hmm. If, If my bank- yeah, all of a sudden had to start selling shares or buying things or this or that, I wouldn't know and I wouldn't care mm-hmm. and I'd be fine, right? But it seems as if all these customers at Silicon Valley Bank didn't just know the things that were happening. They were gossiping and talking with everyone else and they all kind of ginned up some fear. Some
1: of them might have done a run on purpose. Some of yeah. them might have done it. They're going to look into that. They're going to investigate that. If there's, this was a classic run on a bank uh, spurred by online mania, and spurred by all caps screamers about things, and you know what? It didn't. It was solvent on Wednesday. This it, didn't have to go down yeah. this way. So if
2: these. Tech bros and these startup folks and mm-hmm. these Silicon Valley types were less online. Could mm-hmm. this have been avoided?
1: <laughs> yeah, so, yes. Well, yes. Okay. Sort of. I think it, what okay. happened was, you know, these startups need this money, and so their VCs wrote them. Some of them said, take, "By the way, some VCs acted with great responsibility, one hundred percent." And you know, this was a good bank for uh, Silicon Valley people. They catered to their needs, right? It has, yeah. They have very specialized needs, and and very helpful. A lot of people uh, banked with them. Uh, lots of I Every startup I know bank with them. I'm very familiar with them. What they Mm -hmm. did is they made a bad decision to buy treasuries and hold them as the interest rates were going up. They should have been smarter about that. Uh, They were fired because they made a bad decision. This is not fraud. The assets aren't gone. It's not FTX. And, And one of the things that's infuriating is this that this entry into the conversation i don't think it really does have an impact with regulators in any way they didn't pressure anybody they, then then they take a lap that drives me crazy that they mm-hmm. did something they did nothing they created a panic is what they did and that's the problem yeah. here and one of the things that that regulators just handle it the way they do with banking crises is very well i would say i think they did the last couple both republicans and democrats did a good job on the last couple of financial scares it was it's really scary and difficult And one of the things that's important to remember is that this is not, this is not fraud. And again, it's just incompetence, I guess, in terms of not anticipating the rise in interest rates and being stuck in three year treasury bonds. The government can hold them and then they'll, 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 they'll they'll get the money back and that'll be that. And so, yeah, good outcome.
2: Is this going to have any kind of chilling effect on Silicon Valley and startup? Land yeah. in general, it's already you
1: know? happening with the layoffs. I think it'll give an opportunity to do more layoffs and get rid huh. of startups that aren't working. That VCs will use it because they're rapacious fucks, and so that's what they'll do. They'll clear their thing out and blame it on something else. But yeah, it'll it'll it's there's a okay. contraction happening in Silicon Valley, and that's natural. It's yeah. it's just the way things yeah. are. Kevin Systrom had all his startup money in. Silicon Valley Bank. He, huh. And he was like, all of it. He goes, what's 1% less than 100%? It's nine, he had 99% of his money. And he didn't know what he was going to do Monday. This but is now a guy he's who's, okay. He's, he's, well, he's also a billionaire. So yes, he's fine. <laughs> he has five people. So it was a little easier, right? And he has mm-hmm. money. and But he it was it was a little scary for everyone's touch and go if you can't have access to your capital. Yeah. You know? I, mean,
2: I will say from the outside looking in, because I don't cover Silicon Valley. Yeah. From the outside looking in, it feels like the people in charge did what they needed to do. That is Yellen correct. And Biden took care of it.
1: So yep. thanks, guys. Yes, they do. Thanks a lot. And yeah. you, you tech bros, you did nothing, and you deserve <laughs> no credit. Anyway, I want to. I, I whacked them all, all, all night long. I was like, yeah. "Stop it! Stop yeah. screaming! Stop yeah. pissing in your pants! Stop that pissing part. your pants! You bunch of wimps!" And mm-hmm. shut up and stuff. And also, they they moved from being COVID experts to banking experts. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> uh, one thing that's interesting. This is from Britain, and you may have some familiarity. Sports broadcaster Gary Lineker was back in the host chair after the BBC suspended him for tweeting criticism of the government. Government's migration policies. He mm-hmm. called the government policy to stop people from crossing the English Channel immeasurably cruel. The BBC suspended him for comment. He's a sports commentator. Uh, this is a weird one. Many of his colleagues walked out on solidarity, calling it a disruption in BBC sports coverage. He covers. He's a very. He's a very mm-hmm. popular soccer sh- mm-hmm. football show. I guess soccer though. Mm-hmm. On Monday, the two parties announced a deal had been reached for Lineker to return to air. The director general of the BBC apologized and said the network would launch a review of its social media guidelines. Uh, you work for NPR, right? At this <laughs> The I same sure kind of thing. How yeah. do you navigate? Like, if you talk it's, about stuff like that, you're a manager, t- You know, you cover culture. So,
2: yeah, I used to cover so politics, politics, and it was a lot oh, stricter okay. there. Yeah, I think a lot of times the rules need to be beat specific. There are yeah. things I couldn't say when I was covering the election for president, right? Mm-hmm. And I got that, but mm-hmm. now I cover pop culture for a living. I should be able to say what I want. Yeah. Uh, before I left NPR, I was on a committee that had set out to rewrite their social media ethics guidelines the work was never finished. Literally nothing ever happened. You cannot regulate this because what you're asking these companies to do is impossible. These are people's personal Twitter accounts, personal social media accounts. And the company is basically saying, either the BBC or whoever, they're saying we should have the right Not just to monitor what you post on these things, but to tell you how you post. And you need to do it from your personal account to amplify our work. And we're not going to pay you for your tweets, but we're going to tell you how to tweet. (laughs) It's an impossible Asked? Yeah, because
1: this has become sort of the way people uh, vent, navigate, have their thoughts, and everything else. And so it's weird. And and some people do cross the line if you're covering politics and say, "I hate Trump." Like it's a problem. Like that should that 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 I can think they can intervene in. Even though I've always thought this idea of having no opinion is ridiculous. I've well,
2: the idea of having no that. opinion as a journalist, this idea of the objective yeah. journalist, it yeah. only serves. Right. Uh, privileged, wealthy, educated, white, straight men. Because that is a default for objectivity. And so when people say you have to perform, they're basically saying be less black, be less woman, Mm -hmm. be less gay. Be yeah. less of these things that aren't You're being default. emotional.
1: You're being exactly. emotional. Yeah.
2: And so that whole framework, I think, has fallen by the wayside, as it should. And I think increasingly, these legacy newsrooms, and it's always legacy newsrooms. I get right. so much less heat about what I tweet from Vulture than I did you know, from NPR. Mm-hmm. But these these legacy newsrooms, in order to keep up, are going to have to just get over it. Get over it's it. It's interesting.
1: They always try to use the words emotional and advocacy. You can mm-hmm. be an advocate by what you choose to cover. The, the New York Times overweening. Exactly tech trans coverage at, at, for a yes. small group of people. Yeah. Uh, and this is, th- it's even the smaller than the trans people. It's like detransitioners, or, you know, what's her name? Uh, Harry Potter lady. J.K. Rowling. You know, they write a lot about it. I'm like, you can be an advocate by writing a lot because you have such power. And so, well, and then,
2: you know, there's always this performance for an imaginary listener or an imaginary yeah. reader. But no matter what you do, the people who don't like NPR are not going to like NPR. There'll yeah. be, be people saying defund NPR yeah. regardless of what Stevens keep tweets. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like at a certain point, who are you fighting this fight for and is it actually helping? But in hard. general, I think a lot of these Newsrooms to stay relevant are going to mm-hmm. have to let the journalists be pretty free because there yeah. are other places where folks can go and be freer. It's There's in a wide sight. open landscape right now. It's you also know? all
1: in plain sight, and I agree. One one of the things I don't like is when journalists at the same institution are attacking each other. That I'm like, Mm-mm, that's yeah. that, that's that's a civility yeah. in a newsroom kind of thing, and yeah. you can take that offline. You can take your argument offline, and they don't have to be performative in that. And that sometimes. I'm like, mm, not this is not the place for this and it's actually yeah. it's a problem for a for a for a civil newsroom. Um uh, you don't you can fight, but again, do it in Although a Although every
2: few r- years the New York Times newsroom needs to publicly <laughs> fight about something. Yeah, that's they do kind of how they it do. goes. That's it. what they're talking do.
1: about personal attacks on other journalists. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, they, do that they can too. fight about They issues. do that yeah. too. And I yeah. I, I will yeah. say
2: As a watcher and a journalist. Yeah, you like it. I love it.
1: (laughs) You know they're thinking that. Anyway, speaking of opinions, we're going to have different ones, I think, here. Let's get to our first big story. (laughs) This year's Oscars went off without an incident, but not without making history. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once nearly swept the night's top awards. It won for Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor and Actress, Original Screenplay, and Directing and Editing. That's kind of a sweep. That's Uh, a lot. Michelle Yeoh is the... First Asian American woman to win an acting honor. I cannot believe this in the Academy's 95-year history. I guess I can believe it. And only the second person of color to win Best Actress since Holly Berry's win in 2002. That was. I gotta 20- clarify
2: you. What? She's sorry. not the first Asian woman. She is the first Asian woman who identified publicly as Asian. Oh, right, there was a right, winner in the 30s who basically passed as white but was actually Asian.
1: That was Merle Oberon okay. on the Academy Award for Best Actress and performance in The Dark Angel in 1935. She was South Asian but passed yes. as white.
2: It is really great to see the Oscars take women as seriously as the men. For once, I think yeah. this was the year of Michelle Yeoh and of Kate <laughs> Blanchett, and there used <laughs> to be a time when the Oscars didn't like to even think about awards for folks who weren't a certain age like a certain mm-hmm. way and to see them in their 50s do these works that are like masterclasses and to get, be honored for it. I think it's great.
1: Let me let's like take a listen in her speech. And I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I did a I did a long interview with her, when I was at the New York Times, at Sway, yeah. she turned out to be kind of wacky and funny, and I love you know, that. I'd expect her to be so grave from the mother in Crazy Rich Asians, or you know, her amazing career in martial arts and stuff like that. In those movies, Bond, she was a Bond—not um, a girl. She was she was a force in that one of the Bond movies, um, and so she's had a long, interesting career. But she's hysterical, but she's also inspirational. Let's listen to her
3: for all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight. <laughs> this is the beacon of hope and possibilities this is proof that dreams dream big and dreams do come true and ladies don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime <laughs> i like that Well, because yeah. it's
2: true i mean yeah. i remember the oscars of 15 years ago, the nominees for best actress had to be really hot and like under 35. Mm-hmm. And that was all you kind of did, unless you were Meryl Streep, right? Right. And that's right. I think with the big powerhouse performances of the year mm-hmm. from women, Kate Blanchett and Tar, Sam mm-hmm. Michelle and everything, these are meatier and better roles than the men are getting. And I like that. I think yeah. it's great.
1: Netflix also had a strong showing. It won Best International Feature with All Quiet on the Western Front and Best Animated Feature for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It also won Best Documentary a short with The Elephant Whisperer. Hmm. So how did you do in your Oscar pool?
2: I figured that everything would do really well, mm-hmm. in part because it's a movie that everyone can get behind. And mm-hmm. A24's Oscar campaign for that film was pitch perfect.
1: Explain that. You said this last night. Yeah.
2: To- so, you know, we entered the era of the Oscar campaign yeah. during the 90s, with Harvey Weinstein and probably the year that it really took off was when Shakespeare in Love beat Saving Private Ryan and mm-hmm. that was just because
3: he did a good uh, job he did yeah. a
2: good job of campaigning and yes. and 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 ever since then the template has been that like this Weinstein school of for months yeah. the cast the directors they're out there trying to meet every academy voter that they can to win them over. And the cast of Everything did that the most. Also, <laughs> they had a campaign that made the film more than the film. The, mm-hmm. the The slogan for the film during award seasons was, everything has led to this. Oh, and wow. so it's saying a lot about Asian identity. It's saying a lot about you know Michelle Yeoh and her whole career. How do you not support that? And I think especially after the year of the slap and declining ratings, mm-hmm. everyone involved in the Oscars needed a feel-good story that everyone right. could get behind and say, this is good. It was and that, also that was can that. I,
1: can I say, it was also a feel-good movie and an inspirational movie, even though it was odd with the bagel and everything else. It was also it had the indiness of it, right? But it also had the You felt better after watching that movie. You just You yeah. did.
2: I mean, well, this is a movie about how do you love your family and how do you Mm -hmm. find meaning in life, Mm -hmm. right? And the Mm -hmm. beauty of Everything Everywhere All At Once is that you walk into it thinking it's a film about the multiverse, but it's actually about the bond between a mother and her daughter. Mm -hmm. And the multiverse just exists in service of this family story, which I love. And, you know, I am used to Marvel movies that Mm -hmm. will oftentimes treat the world building and the multiverse of it all as more important than the actual plot. This movie did the inverse. Yeah. The very conceit of the multiverse just existed to get to the family drama. And yeah. I think that's why it worked so well. And they wacky. don't take the multiverse seriously. And Everything in the multiverse and, is dumb, but yeah. plugs and dildos and bagels.
1: Yeah, there was dildos in it. There was pe- fit, uh, hot dog hands. Yeah. It was like, it was so like surprising and delightful at the same time. And also, upsetting, too. Like, there was a lot of, like, moments. Her it's face, existential. It's it existential. Is. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh's face, and, and they also had some wonderful side, you know, the other actors, everyone around them, uh, who also was up for best supporting Stephanie Sue, was amazing. There was so many amazing people around yeah. them, including, and I'm, I'm gonna, Mess up his name, but the 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 older actor, ninety four years old, who was has been in a million things. Yeah. It just was the whole cast was wonderful. Well, it's funny.
2: I will say, as much as I love that movie, my least favorite part of the movie was mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis, and I was hoping that Angela <laughs> Bassett would win the Oscar. I know. Well, talk I talked to you really about was that. Hoping. That
1: face she had, she wasn't hiding anything. She, she wasn't was like, hiding. It, I got she this dress, hide and he yeah, she was amazing. Everyone in, knows in, she um, is the
2: best part of any movie she's ever in, mm-hmm. and I think. I was actually betting on, on her winning that movie. I thought that Stephanie Chu and Jamie Lee Curtis would cancel would both cancel out the votes for the other? You know, yeah. because we're in the same film. But no, um, good for Jamie, love her. But I didn't. I actually, yeah, her face. Was, yeah. I love that she did that. I was
1: like, good for her. Yeah, I be honest. Cause when I uh, when I when I asked uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, "What's your face when you lose? What's your face when you win?" And she's she like did the smiley thing, and I loved that. Mm-hmm. I was like, why are you doing that? Why don't you just say fuck? I should have won that kind yeah. of thing. And that's what she did, and I agree. She's uh, Angela Bassett is a national treasure. She was astonishing in in the in the sequel to. Like, Panther, uh she carried the movie. Uh, women carried that movie, really, yes. in a lot of ways. Big hit, um and I yeah. can't I cannot believe this one keeps well, turning in performance. Well, well, I after can performance. believe it
2: because you think about yeah. the way the Oscar treats black women. It's mm-hmm. kind of this way even when they nominate it. You know, we yeah. saw this year to see the Woman Kane not get more nominations, mm-hmm. yeah. to see no nomination for Till. till. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a serious problem and I yeah. think as much as the Oscars did a good thing
3: mm-hmm.
2: by getting everything up there as many times as it did mm-hmm. to not honor all of the black women who deserved to be honored in this last year of film. I uh, uh, was criminal. Agreed. Was criminal.
1: I, I was sort of like, oh no! And I, but I think the onslaught of the adorable Jamie Lee Curtis after being in sort of genre movies, as she called them, and she was yeah. she was you know True Lies. She's been in Freaky Friday. She's been Halloween. Oh, yeah. I mean. Love um, Jamie. Yeah. But, you know, I think he yeah. was just charming the pants off of everybody and delightful. Oh, that's the thing, they all did. No one out
2: campaigned that cast. The but they're, everything genuinely cast. The, they're genuinely charming. They're all grateful char- to be there. Yeah. yeah. You know? and genuinely
1: charming. I don't think she could have. I, I thought Jamie Lee was going to because people are like, yeah.
2: that lady's like worked her. like a workman work. like
1: actress. I've seen those for Activia years.
2: commercials. I know yeah. she's working. <laughs> I know. She's just,
1: people like that story. Um, I, I'm not so sure in that case, but Angela Bassett deserves yeah. every single award that she Did you like is, Jimmy no.
2: Kimmel hosting?
1: I thought he was fine. He's oh, I like him. I thought he was fine. Did you not?
2: I'm never itching to hear what he thinks, but he's always fine. <laughs> I'm never like, what is, what does Jimmy have to say about it? He was fine.
1: He made the asempic joke. He made the yeah. same joke. He had a couple of good jokes. I like the Nicole Kidman is still stuck in an AMC that theater. I thought that was, funny. that was funny. So everything, will that affect future nominees? This is the second low budget, budget film to win in a row to win Best Picture. Coda, uh, last year it beat out huge blockbusters. Like, who was robbed? Top Gun Maverick. I'm sorry, I love I'm, that movie. Uh, we got into a
2: fight about this. <laughs> I only did. Like and that Avatar 2.
1: But, but like, listen, this is $15 million. I think Top Gun spent $50 million on Tom Cruise's hair.
2: <laughs>
1: Let's take a side note to Top Gun. Why do not you love Top Gun? It was such it's horrible a horrible acting. Oh well, the, the original
2: film is a classic. This new one is that 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 little love plot line between Jennifer Connelly, and yeah,
1: who looks fantastic. Let's just take a moment.
2: Was the most unbelievable plot? They're not in love.
1: Come on, I'm sorry. Like, who the cares? acting was stiff. They, they ride around in the Porsche. But go uh, ahead.
2: Yeah, they sure do. I just felt <laughs> like it was really stiff and wooden. Yeah. And the special effects were great. And the and the planes deserved an Oscar. Just the planes, but yeah. It was a stiff movie. And it I, felt I think like it was a it was... classic.
1: They did the 80s movie. I watched it with my wife who under yeah. duress because she's one of those <laughs> lo- she's like you, right? But yeah. she actually was like, okay, that was well done. It was eighties. It was an 80s movie with better special effects. And I liked it. I thought they did a really solid. Of course, it brought back people back to the movie theater. Thank you. Oh, it sure you know, did. It made a thank lot of you, money. And made... not just that, it brought people excitement to come back to the movie theater. And I thought it was just it's okay to have a movie like that. Like it was oh, it well is. done. Well done.
2: And, and like I have been Join all the movies that are getting me back in theaters. My thing right now is horror. Like horror will get me horror. back in a mm-hmm. theater seat. I'm going to go see Scream probably tomorrow. I'm yeah. going to, I I liked Cocaine Bear. It was funny mm-hmm. horror. I liked Megan. All that stuff. Yeah. Give it
1: to me. I had I had, on stage with Jamie the Curious was Donna Langley who runs Universal and she said Cocaine Bear was she um she was in a pandemic. Uh, not a drug haze, but she said I'm in a haze. It was a pandemic haze, and I just approved it. Um came <laughs> Bear And they made a lot of money from that. And obviously, they sure they're very Jamie Lee Curtis and Donna were involved with the Halloween thing, which they all made so much money out mm-hmm. of it. Well done, another well done revival yeah. you know, of a movie. But again, uh, Top Gun, I would say I, I would have been loving if they won. I would have been screaming from the I think rooftop. I think
2: I think Oscar snobs would have. Spontaneously combusted I to know, see that but, kind of oh, movie when Best Picture. So
1: good, you didn't. I can't believe it, like the acting. It's that's meant to be bad. <laughs> and Ed Harris, who's always growling. I love his whole new growling thing.
2: My favorite acting of the last year was Kate yeah. Blanchett and Tar. And you don't like Tar. Oh, I love Tar. Oh, I, I love like Tar. Kate Blanchett is doing the work in that movie.
1: Okay. Whatever.
2: It's a masterclass.
1: Oh come on!
2: Tell folks why you didn't like it. Tell folks why you didn't like because
1: it. Because it's a lesbian movie where lesbians don't have sex. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like we don't get Kate Blanchett as a lesbian. <laughs> well, she's been in Carol. She actually plays a lesbian. She's quite done a lot. lesbian stuff before. She's done it, and she made out with it was a door. It was great. Like literally. So let me ask you. Like who do you think is hot? Give me someone hot. I'm who do gonna, I
2: think uh, is hot right now? Oh, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. That's a man. Chris
1: Pine's in a gay movie, and they never have sex. Come on, there's never He's any. He's still pretty. In. I don't care. It's like <laughs> no, I no, Stop walking around in your. Also, did
2: you want to see that villain have sex? She's a villain in the movie. Uh,
1: yes, it's Kate Blanchett. <laughs> stop.
2: Second of all,
1: I didn't even know what was going on. I of course, my wife was like, it was very complex. I was like, oh my god, what the fuck is happening? Get me back to Top Gun. I get. I've what's watched going it like
2: on. three times. Yeah, yeah. I can watch that opening scene, which is at the fake New Yorker Ideas Festival or whatever, like forever. I just love okay. it. Okay. All right,
1: whatever. Uh-huh. I just don't know what happened at the end. I was like, "What happened there? Like, what's what?
2: the point? You're not I, supposed what's the to point? know."
1: I, no, I want to know. I was like, "I'd <sighs> like some. I don't like tar. I did not like tar. <laughs> okay. I truly did not like okay. tar. I just don't get it." I feel stupid. I'm like, You're again, not stupid, Karen. it was You're like not stupid. I literally watched Plane with Jared, uh, Jared Butler right after. I was like, <laughs> I need to watch Plane. I love Plane. I love Jared Butler. OK, I get it. And then, I know your uh, type of movie. And then Top Gun, which is like, oh, they have to blow up the thing and go over the thing and then the thing. And then they all have to hug. And then there has to be yeah. speaking of, of gay scenes. They have to do the gay beach scene of everyone with their shirts off. But I still, love, like,
2: not actually fucking.
1: There's I don't no care, fucking in that but movie either. I, that, was, that movie was more gay than Tar. Let me just say that it had a whole gay scene. <laughs> Anyway, come on. It was, that was a good scene. I always loved the okay. gay, the was, gay scene was. in, in yeah. Top Gun. They've had it several times. So
2: I see a question in here, you know, asking if seeing everything win Best Picture is going to make studios move to smaller movies. Yeah, change, yeah. They will always keep making blockbusters on existing right. IP. Avatar right. 2, and Avatar 3, they're going to do it. Yeah, you know, Top yeah. Gun, Maverick, or a sequel to that, they'll always do it. Yeah. I think there might be more, more He's money. He's coming with
1: Mission Impossible. Just, you yeah. can go with me. You and I can go together.
2: The, I mean, the Oscars always love smaller films as opposed to bigger films anyway. Yeah. That's just in their DNA. We actually have yeah. an episode in my podcast feed from last Tuesday where we talk about how, historically, the Oscars never really award blockbusters. Like, Titanic yeah. was an outlier, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't think this drastically changes the industry. If yeah. anything, I think it is a... Shock to the heart for Marvel. Mm-hmm. The first multiverse movie to win an Oscar for Best Picture wasn't a Marvel movie. It was Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yeah, and I think people are going to expect Marvel movies to be as smart and as interesting and groundbreaking and beautiful as Everything, Some Everywhere, All are. at Once is. Some mm-hmm. of them are. Uh, most the of them Black aren't. Panther movies, Mo- that one, but like most of them aren't. No, so, they're
1: just. Working, I don't like. think the entire
2: <laughs> industry is going to change because yeah. everything won. But I think Marvel is taking notes.
1: Taking notes. Absolutely. You yeah. got a story. Story's important. Yeah. Parasite. Story interesting. Speaking of, uh, I want to get to international parasite director, Bong Joon-ho called the Oscars a local festival. Um, it is changing. Germany's all quite on the Western Front, won awards in four categories. Best song went to Natu Natu, which is infectious from Tollywood film RRR. They were there dancing their little hearts out. Um, the movies about American icons like Elvis, uh, the Fablemans, um, came short, though Top Gun and Avatar, of course, won best sound and visual effects respectively. Um, so is there more? There still isn't the international breakthrough necessarily. They're on the sidelines kind of stuff. Is that? Yeah. Is I that don't a local think the Oscars care.
2: It is yeah. it's increasingly local because fewer people watch it every year. Yeah. At its peak, the Oscars had fifty five million people watch the year that Titanic won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last year, I think sixteen million people watched. But no matter how international you make your show, this is just the nature of TV. Mm-hmm. It's really hard in the era of streaming and on demand viewing to get people to sit down to watch a three and a half hour show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, They're just not yeah. going to do it.
2: They're you not going to do
1: it unless there's something controversial or or yeah. whatever. It's sort of a formulaic. It's so formulaic. I it's didn't an old it.
2: formula. You yeah. know? And I think that we're going to see the way award shows are done change drastically very soon. The mm-hmm. SAGs this year, I want to say, did it mm-hmm. on YouTube. And it yeah. worked out quite well. I yeah. think we're going to say- They get, see, a I, get a lot I of money. Award, All those yeah.
1: Golden Globes, they get a lot of money from these yeah. networks,
2: right? I think award shows as we know it, won't exist 10 years from now there'll be something different and hopefully better and hopefully not four fucking hours long oh my god I know that
1: is long although the dresses my my daughter watched it for the first you know she didn't couldn't pay attention did you notice the red carpet this year
2: the dresses are great but the red carpet this year was like champagne
1: colored yeah i know jamie lee curtis had a good tweet she goes my carpet matches my drapes this year it was really (laughs) good She, she made it good again charming I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. These things, the Hollywood people love them, right? They love the parties. Yeah. They love but you could do all of it online. Uh, honestly, that's where I watched online. every bit of it. I watched yes. it in pieces. I watched the yeah. best jokes. I may consume a bunch of it, but sitting there is just not a thing.
2: It's an enterprise of diminishing returns. Halfway through the Oscars last night, they just mm-hmm. air the trailer for the new Little Mermaid movie. Because they could. You know, like, they're just reaching for straws at this point. Yeah, The business yeah. model is going to make less and less money every every year they do this. They have to figure yeah. out a new way to give us award shows. They yeah, they do.
1: But I don't know if you can. It's interesting. I think people still like the Golden Globes because you never know what's going to happen. And, well, because they're all drunk. Then, well, and then, yes. But last year, the Oscars, of course, you never know what's going to happen with exactly. uh, Will Smith, exactly. which they veered away from. Although they, say, although they
2: did joke about it, which I appreciated. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was yeah. good.
1: But it was... Um, you know, they, that was not something that was good for the brand, although it got yeah. attention, right? It sure got, did. It did. Yeah. So anyway, he was not there. Um, one thing, last question on this. Um, Netflix hasn't won, still hasn't won Best Picture. Could that help, or do they care, or is don't it important to attract an audience? They made a big move, and Apple TV saw a twenty percent increase in new users after CODA won last year. Uh, it's not clear if they stick around. Does it matter to them? They they definitely are there. Ted Sarandos is there. I think Tim Cook went th- last year.
2: I think America's conversation about Netflix is so myopic. Yeah, Tell Netflix me is the international streaming company. They have a footprint in every continent. They're everywhere, mm-hmm. and 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 they're poised to be even bigger abroad yeah, than they are here. They're truly global in a way that no other streamer is. Mm-hmm. So Netflix doesn't care. They really, yeah. I mean, like. At first, they really wanted to make a point and prove themselves in Hollywood to the industry. At this point, they're hell-bent on global domination, Mm -hmm. and the Oscars matter so little in that larger framework.
1: Yeah, that is And what
2: they do really well is they'll take a show that's a hit in one country Mm -hmm. and then make, like, 12 other versions for 12 other countries where it could also be a hit. Mm -hmm. If you're doing that, you don't need a best picture Oscar. Yeah, I think
1: so too. And I think putting that Chris Rock show, I didn't love the show, honestly. I thought it was kind of tired. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that was a great idea. That's the sort of brainchild yeah. of Bella Bajari. And they're still the
2: biggest. They saw... They saw uh they have the most customers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Everyone wants to act like Netflix is over. They're no, just less cool no, than they used to be. Not, they're yeah, fine. They're not. They're fine. fine. They're just
1: fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, speaking of streaming, Paramount is reportedly looking to sell its majority stake in BET, perhaps to Tyler Perry. It could use the cash to build out might its streaming as well. network. He's basically
2: might. Mr. BET already. <laughs> yeah, I know, right.
1: Um, it could use the cash to build out its streaming network. It did turn down a $3 billion offer and before that a $6 billion offer for the Showtime network, which includes shows like Billions and Yellow Jackets. I was, had an argument with Matt Bell who writes a great column for Puck? I was like, they can't sell Showtime. It's where they have to get content. This is the BET's a side or is a smaller thing. This mm-hmm. is the heart of attracting great content makers. So they're saying Paramount Plus with Showtime or something that, that was confusing from a branding perspective. But what do you think about this?
2: Yeah, it's it's confusing, but also it can be fine you know like right now fx kind of only exists as a brand on hulu Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and like that's enough i think also showtime has to exist as long as it's like on cable right Right. like they have Mm -hmm. to have some kind of infrastructure to be there Mm -hmm. um larger picture i want as a consumer all of these streamers to just go ahead and consolidate because it's getting too busy for me anyway. So if any of these machinations mean that I have to click fewer buttons to watch what I want to watch on streaming, then good. But this is the way it has to be, right? There's too many streamers. Some of this stuff has to go or get consolidated. So for me, that's the big picture long-term.
1: Or become very niche, so you like it, like BET. Like BET's got an audience, and they can if it can reach all its audience, that's great. But yeah. part of a bigger thing, it gets lost. It gets lost in those consolidations. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think they are going to sell. It'll be really interesting what happens over Paramount if it sells itself. Well, because
0: Showtime
2: does have Showtime has shows that like critics yeah. and TV yeah. fans love. They got billions. They have uh, what's the one? Yeah. <laughs> um I would hold on to Showtime. Yeah. It's a good brand.
1: Yeah, it's a good brand. And they also have, you know, obviously the Yellowstone uh, juggernaut, which will eventually fall out of favor. But, you know, Dick Wolf is still churning out law and orders and yeah, they continue yeah. to do it. It's a very lucrative business. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to these smaller studios, which Paramount is now versus the big ones. It's going to be, it's going to be a struggle for them. It's a, it's, not mean, a, it's not worth very much. Well,
2: what is streaming worth at all right now? Most of these streamers are losing money. Mm -hmm. losing lots of money Mm -hmm. so they all have to find a way to be profitable sometimes not netflix
1: not netflix yeah Yeah.
2: but but like i think increasingly all of these streamers are gonna have to feel a lot more like the tv that you and i grew up with
1: (laughs) right with commercials
2: and set show times and you know what that might be what needs to happen you know i think watching shows like the last of us become Mm -hmm. destination viewing on sundays Mm -hmm. people like that You know, Mm -hmm. people like that. And I think people are actually okay with ads. I have Peacock and I have the ad version. I watch the ads, it's fine.
1: Do you think binging is over, though? I mean, look, look, Succession's another thing that's about to come back. I'm doing the podcast on it for them. Um, it's That's every week. You have to wait for it. And yeah. Wait for what's I, think, gonna
2: I think that is that leads to more of a water cooler feel, which people mm-hmm. want. When yeah. I binge a show by myself, I have nobody to talk about it with, really. Yeah. When yeah. I watch The White Lotus over those seven or eight weeks, when I watch mm-hmm. The Last of Us or Succession, mm-hmm. I have dozens of fruitful and fun conversations with my friends and strangers online because there's time to do it i think mm-hmm. that's the way that we're meant to watch as yeah as a community so yeah. i want more of that
1: well good good and then maybe you could do a podcast on what the fuck was going on in tar anyway <laughs> sam let's go on a quick break when we come back we'll talk about another scandal involving priests and location data and take a listener mail question about podcasting
3: Support for this show comes from Virgin Atlantic. Let's talk travel. Whether you're setting off on a business trip or taking that well-deserved summer vacation we're always so focused to getting to our destination that we forget to embrace the journey. Well, when you fly Virgin Atlantic, it serves as a reminder that a memorable trip begins right from the moment you check in. That's why they offer loads of special touches to truly elevate your time in the sky, such as in-flight movies, music, TV, and podcasts that you actually can't wait to dive into a snack bar that you can help yourself to at any time, and an iconically British high tea high up in the clouds. They've got these little salt and pepper shakers that you're encouraged to pocket as your first souvenir. And if you're feeling really fancy, how about a wine tasting experience at 38,000 feet? Uh, So really, we're just getting started from their brilliant next level service to the food, the entertainment, the planes, the clubhouse, the crew, and so much more. These are just a few of the many special touches that make me love flying with Virgin Atlantic. And I do, I fly Virgin Atlantic a lot. Check out virginatlantic.com for your next trip to London and beyond. And see for yourself how traveling for business can always be a pleasure.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Sam, we're back
1: with our second big story. Some Catholic priests are being watched from above, but not in the way they thought.
2: <laughs>
1: Catholic nonprofit group spent millions of dollars buying up location data of priests who use gay dating apps. It share the data with bishops across the country. We've seen something like this before. In 2021, a high-ranking priest resigned after a Catholic publication used purchase data to show his visits to gay bars. Some of the same men behind that effort are said to be involved in this one. Creepy, although
2: question though. Question, so these though. gay apps will sell location data mm-hmm. to anybody who wants to buy. No, it?
1: you can buy location data and then you okay. track them to gay apps. Yeah, but not from the <laughs> app itself. Some of them are like there's, there's, you know, there's. It, it, it's, it's. You can get people's location data.
2: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I mean, gosh, I just feel like at this point, I don't. I feel horrible for these men and what they went through, mm-hmm. but also as a gay man speaking Mm -hmm. to these other gay men, you really wanted to join the Catholic priesthood. Mm -hmm. You really like you, there are other churches where you can just be gay. Mm -hmm.
3: This is Mm -hmm. the one
2: where it's like going to be an issue. Who are these people that are still trying to become gay Catholic bishops? I don't get Mm -hmm.
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting issue. My ex-wife used to run planet out. One of the two gay, you know, original portals. One was Mm gay.com and they end up merging, but I don't know if they probably still exist. Um, and, um, and one of the things she always said in one of her decks is that 1% of their traffic came from the Vatican, Vatican City. Uh, I know. Woo. And so she was always like, look at that. Like, of yeah. course, they were using the site. You know, I get that, but I do see why people are closeted on some level. They may be very religious and they have to – it's, not, it's just not just limited to gays. I have friends who are Catholic. They had a miserable marriage. They didn't – couldn't get divorced. They didn't want to get divorced. Yeah. Their religion held a very strong thing on it. And so in this case, it's creepy that they are being tracked by much more conservative members who are trying to get yeah. rid of this. And so it's very hard to choose between something that means a great deal to your faith and this, which is who you are, right? And so I, 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 my, I focus on the surveillance part of it. Like they could do this to anybody. Where did you go? What did you do? And especially when it comes to gay people tracking. Oh no, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? No, like, I mean,
2: this is a constant risk and danger and I'm it's it's sad I'll I'll see these headlines every few weeks or months you will see a new mm-hmm. story about location data and personal data being places it shouldn't be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: None of it shocks me anymore. Mm-hmm. I just assume everyone's buying and selling everyone's data and it's sad that I'm so resigned to it, but I'm like mm-hmm. oh of course, of I course. I tell everybody right?
1: your phone is a tracker. you you being yep. tracked. You're being tracked. You put it on yourself and you carry it around and then you give up data about where you are Mm -hmm. too. You're, you're feeding the, the data monster in a way. But on Apple, there's even a setting that if you don't turn it off, it will tell you exactly where you've been. It stays on the phone, but if someone gets a hold of your phone, they can see it. Um, and so I show it to people. I'm like, okay, you spent 45 minutes here and then you were here. And they're like, how did you know I was there for 45? It says it on your phone. It's tracking you. Mm -hmm.
2: So, my thing is just like, all right, that's happening. We, I guess, can't stop it at this point. I do wonder what a scandal like this says about the future of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church needs all the people it can get right mm-hmm. now. You know, mm-hmm. people are not going to church anymore. The Catholic faith is losing people all the time. Just from a business perspective, it <laughs> would be smart. For the Catholic Church to be as open and affirming and welcoming to any and everybody as possible, yeah. because they need more people. Yeah. That's what I don't get, and it's not going to happen.
1: Not it's gonna not going to happen.
2: happen. I was raised in a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. I'm not Catholic, but I mm-hmm. I know that faith well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're not setting themselves up for like long term success. Mm-hmm. I will say, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah.
1: Well, my heart breaks for
2: these priests, but I it's don't like, think
1: they care. Yeah. I don't think they care. And, yeah. you know, I think it does get to the issue of meaningful privacy legislation. Do you know I bang on about a lot?
2: Well, is that ever going to happen, though?
1: No, well, that's the issue. It, it almost did in this in this session. Of course, it was that an antitrust legislation and algorithmic transparency legislation ended up on the floor. Um, Congress's health insurance data was stolen last week, for example. Really? Uh, yes. They they claim to have the data. It's up and verified, including Social Security numbers on Blackmore 4. And there's so much information everywhere. And the companies are being sloppy about it, and then they themselves are using it for all kinds mm-hmm. of things, selling it and things like that. They say it's anonymized, but much of it isn't. Uh, who who else? This is who else benefits from our lax privacy environment? The FBI admitted this month that it previously bought Americans' location data instead of getting a warrant. Why wouldn't they? Oh my like
2: God, wow!
1: Politico reports that Amazon's Ring gave police footage from inside a man's home as they investigated his neighbor. Whoa. You know, spokesman called the story a hoax, but Amazon walked that comment back. It, ring they people can hack those things, all of them, oh, not yeah. just ring. Um I don't have any. My son went around and unplugged we had a house we moved into had some and my son literally walked around and unplugged all of them.
2: I believe it. Um, They're but, so scary now. Mm-hmm. I'll be walking the dog around the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and the little cameras in the front yard will say, we see you, or you're on camera. It's so creepy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it is. This, these data brokers, they sell the location of people who visited Planned Parenthood. It starts to get very... Frightening, and then of course what you watch—something you do, what you watch, what you're not just for oh, selling yeah. you stuff, but who who are you—and they can mm-hmm. parse you into the smallest little bits. Um, yeah. When you think, and it's good for, say, you know the area you cover, culture in Hollywood, because they can know what to give you, right? You do that on Amazon by what you watch. You, you put footprints everywhere, um, yeah. and it starts. I'm to not serve sure up. it's
2: good though. You know, I mean, we're in this. Do you like speaking some of, of, of it. my? No, but right. okay, but let's think about. Okay, I cover a lot of TV and movies, mm-hmm. and the folks that make TV and movies have gotten better than they've ever been at tracking what I watch, how I watch it, when I watch it. Mm-hmm. It hasn't made the content better for me. Right, I don't think the TV I'm watching now is drastically better than the TV I was watching 15 years ago. Well, I don't. It,
1: it, it does give you knowledge, like you know, true. Sure you know the Ashton Kutcher Reese Witherspoon movie, like Your Place I, I or Mine. I don't want to know
2: about it. Was it oh. good?
1: you know what it's Kara swisher it, i wouldn't have seen it but i was like uh, i was like yeah it was ridiculously stupid and it was so old school and i loved yeah. it i love okay. old school it was like okay. a, a romance drama and you know i definitely and then i was served up um on netflix also you people
2: i did not like that movie tell me why kenya barris hasn't made a good thing since blackish mm-hmm. and i think he's Stuck in this kind of feedback loop with himself where he Mm -hmm. keeps rehashing his own life on screen instead Mm -hmm. of just dealing with this stuff with the therapist. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just (laughs) the jokes were tired, if not just downright offensive. Yeah. Uh, It was, it was a, strangely sexless movie to be a rom-com. Like, yeah. the romance between the two leads made no sense. They didn't mm-hmm. seem to like each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it just felt off. It just felt yeah. off and not made for this era or this moment.
1: It was such a good cast, right? That's the such... thing.
2: How do you screw up David Duchovny and Eddie Murphy and Julie and Julia Lee, Lee How do you screw Diapers. that up? How do you screw that up?
1: Yeah, and I love uh, Lauren um, London. I love her. Yeah, she's, yeah. great. she's great. And all But the, the movie didn't characters. hold together
2: for me. It didn't hold yeah. together for me.
1: You know what was interesting is that it felt like, uh, uh Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. I was like, look yeah. what I'm watching. That was a better
2: movie, right? That was a great movie. movie. Yeah, I was. will say, you know, I think it's like, all right. It, we have to rewatch question... that. It might
1: not have been a better movie. Right. I haven't seen it. Like, <laughs> like well, you could be, be like, oh, like, ow.
2: Yeah. It's a question of like, is the data in surveillance on what we watch making stuff better for us to watch? Yeah. It's not. But I think the larger issue with our viewing experiences, period, mm-hmm. there's just too much shit to watch right now. Yeah. And it makes yeah. the experience of watching anything harder than it should be and less fun. That Like so, last year, there were over 550 scripted shows. Well, that's, that's going to be scripted, less with the writer's ca- strike and the I, contraction. Yeah, but, but like yeah. that's too much. And mm-hmm. so part of what makes a TV or film experience good mm-hmm. is how you get to it and how comfortable it feels to watch it and whether mm-hmm. or not you feel overwhelmed by the amount of stuff you have to watch. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the very number of things I need to watch makes me less excited about everything I end up watching. It's just too much.
3: So
1: how do you find what you like? I'm curious if they, you know, without being tracked and being told what you like, and they serve up more of what you like, which is very common now, with all of them, by the way. Um, you know, my daughter watches Frozen on repeat on as i've talked yeah. about many times on Disney yeah. Plus and we're getting yeah. there's like 90 frozen oh my ver- like 2 minute ones 10 minute yeah. ones 12 minute ones and yeah. so um and, and I, I appreciate it <laughs> i'm like oh, yeah. another fun, uh, olaf is doing something for 13 <laughs> minutes perfect while well, i clean the dishes and you can watch yeah. this um, well, how do you find what you want to watch now? What is your method without being it forced, you know, yeah. down your go? Well, I like work at
2: Vulture. So I yeah. trust the fine folks there. Some good folks that cover right. TV and movies there. And what do they say to watch, I watch. Um, I rely a lot on newsletters and like online voices. I trust like, it, like if, if most of my favorite follows on Twitter are watching the same show and tweeting mm-hmm. about it, I'm probably going to try to watch it. So yeah. I, Kind of trust my colleagues and peers. Okay, so
1: people, not AI, not, not yeah. The I trust learning. people.
2: I trust people. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: What about you,
2: Kara?
1: I think we're being manipulated in ways we don't even understand of what we should look at and what needs to be seen. Um, yeah. And I think it's only going to be increasingly more. We will. This AI will be telling us now. Nah, go watch this. Go do this. He'll tell mm-hmm. us to do a lot of things. This is time to brush your teeth. This is time yeah. to do that. I just want
2: and, less things to watch. Yeah. Yes. What I yeah. Want. yeah.
1: What's your favorite thing right now?
2: I really have recently become obsessed with The Real Housewives of Potomac. Oh, uh, okay. I hadn't the, watched Housewives okay. since Nene in Atlanta. Okay. Um, but a critical mass of my friends were like, you must watch Potomac. I started, and Andy Cohen is an evil genius. He that, is. It's just, it's, just, like, it's trash <laughs> TV. And yeah. the stakes are so low. Wow. But I love it. There was a three-episode plot arc about how one of the housewives was mad because the other housewife had Googled her. And they got like three episodes out of that. Oh, man. They just make something out of nothing in this hilarious way. That's my current obsession. It's not good TV, but I like it.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What about you? Well, I have seen some of the episodes of Succession because I'm doing this podcast. I cannot reveal a yeah. thing, but it's terrific. Okay. Okay. I'm ready for it. Yeah. It's quite good. The, the writers have, they are pulling out all the stops. I uh, just so beautifully, it's so beautifully written. And now they've, they're really writing the hell out of it. Okay. So I can't say a word about it, but the podcast is coming soon, but I watch old things. I'm now watching all of Madam Secretary. I, oh. I, I love Tay Leone. I love uh, Tim yeah, Daly. Yeah. Um, turns out Tim Daly's a pivot fan. I didn't know that, but I okay. found out. Um, I love that show and I thought it's beautifully done. It's you sort of, I like it better than West Wing, which I also recently watched the entire, all the seasons. So I go nice. back and watch old seasons of things that I yeah. really like that are smart. So, and I love her. She looks fantastic and she's, yeah. she's plucky. She's plucky. <laughs> Between her and Jared uh, Butler, I'm very happy with my watching. Okay. Needs. Anyways, let's pivot to a listener question
3: you've got you got i can't believe i'm gonna be a mailman you, you, you've got mail
1: this question comes from twitter uh user bg weegee thank you bg weegee bg weegee this is for you sam for sam who i first heard as a political reporter on npr what do you think is the future of independent journalism a small question is it substacks podcasts blogs will those survive i don't think there's They call them blogs anymore, but will those survive and thrive or be replaced by the next new thing? And I'm going to add, what is the next new thing, Sam?
2: Yeah, we don't know, but I will say, like, I think independent journalism always finds a way to survive. I think journalism is inherently a precarious endeavor, and it usually doesn't make money. Like, Mm -hmm. usually journalism as an enterprise does not make money on its own. Yeah, it's not a good business. Yeah. And when you think of, like, the heyday of newspapers, the news division wasn't making the money, the classified Mm -hmm. ads were making the money, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there's always going to be a problem and an existential crisis over whether there's enough money to make the journalism, because that's just the way this business model is set up. It's not a Mm money-making venture. So that question I never want to get too worried about it because that's just always the question mm-hmm. um in terms of like what's next is it substacks or podcast or blogs and it's mm-hmm. kind of just like we just find new ways to do the same thing yeah you will either read a story or you will listen to a story. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. before podcasts, you listened to stories on the radio. Now you do it on podcast, right? Before you read a substack or a blog, you read a physical newspaper. Mm-hmm. These None of these new things are like reinventing the wheel. You're right. either going to read it or listen to it or watch it. It's a question mm-hmm. of where you do that and what buttons you click to get there. But there'll always be folks writing good shit and making good shit to listen to. I don't know. I'm less interested in whether I read the good writing mm-hmm. on a blog or on a substack, or on Mm -hmm. a New York Times website, Mm -hmm. I'm more concerned about who are the people making this stuff and are they paid enough wherever they are, and is Mm -hmm. it a diverse group of people making the stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think that I want whatever the new space is, the new blog, the new substack, the new whatever, pay people well, let them own their shit, Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: make sure that it's not just white guys doing it. Mm -hmm. And besides that, I don't care where it is.
1: You yeah, know, that's <laughs> interesting because you, you, you also have to be as a reporter, I think, entrepreneurial in terms of picking different things. And I, I've done that. And you're, you're doing, you know, you're writing, you're doing podcasts. You're like, you've done a lot of different things and you've shifted yeah. a lot. You're very much like me, shifted as times change and as interest changes. Um, it doesn't matter what the medium is, but you do have to, as a journalist, uh, be very adaptable.
2: Yeah. Well, and you have to be, this is a thing that I had to unlearn, you know, when I started out <laughs> working in public radio many years ago, they would tell you like, you're not part of the story, you don't matter, get out Mm -hmm. of the way. Mm -hmm. But in this media landscape, you need to be, and I hate to use the word, you have to kind of be your own brand and a Mm -hmm. thing that people will follow wherever you go, right? Mm -hmm. I want to make journalism so that wherever I'd make it, people will come to hear it or see it or read it because I'm doing it there, right? And I think Mm -hmm. that like the days of just like trusting the institution to always take care of the journalist, those days are over. The industry's changing too quickly.
1: I literally had that conversation last night with a couple of people. I yeah. Think. And like, God
2: bless these institutions. You know, NPR trained me well, but mm-hmm. I have to be in charge of my career. No company, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. 100%. That's a very good piece of advice. Thank you, BG Ouija. All right. If you've got a question for your own, you'd like it answered, send it our way. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit a question for the show or call 855 51 pivot Sam. One more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails.
3: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work.
1: Okay, Sam, let's hear a win and a fail besides Tom Cruise being cheated from his much-deserved Oscar. But go ahead.
2: I think Rihanna fans won. Uh, She performed at the Oscars Sunday Mm -hmm. night Mm-hmm. She performed that song, Lift Me Up, from the mm-hmm. Black Panther Wakanda Forever soundtrack. I hate that song. Oh, and I okay. didn't want to hear it live. It sounds like a funeral dirge, which oh. it kind of is. Yeah. But I was worried that she was going to butcher the live performance. It wasn't bad. And she yeah. also said this week that there might be a new Rihanna album by the end of the year. Oh. So I think if you're a Rihanna fan... You're feeling okay right now. So she
1: checked. She tapped out. Now she's tapping back in. Heavy. Right? We
2: need a new album. It's been yeah. six or seven years since her last album, and we miss her. Don't you
1: think she should have that baby first? I feel like she, I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Listen,
2: I, I make a dance hall album about the baby, about oh, the pregnancy. great! And whatever you got to do, Rihanna. Right. You know what? I've but, never
1: done more work since I had children. But go ahead and <laughs> say that.
2: So I think this will be a good year for Rihanna fans. And I think that in spite of me hating that song, she didn't butcher it at the Oscars. So I'm happy. So she's my win right now.
1: Oh, well, did you like the the um, did you like the Lady Gaga one adjacent her the jeans Uh, and like simple?
2: She's a powerhouse. I didn't Mm -hmm. love that song, but whatever Mm -hmm. she sings, I'll listen to. She can sing. She can Mm -hmm. sing.
1: All right. Fail. What's your Fail
2: these Silicon Valley folks getting Mm -hmm. on my nerves with this bank stuff. Mm -hmm. Let uncle Joe and aunt Yellen figure it Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Shut up. I mean, we've talked about it already, but I I do think that there's a class of man Mm
0: -hmm.
2: on Twitter Mm -hmm. further inspired by Elon Musk Mm -hmm. to just tweet bullshit and act like it's fact or like it's Bible. So Mm -hmm. for me, the fail is all the men of Twitter, Mm -hmm. shut up, shut up.
1: Shut up. I love it. I would agree. And Elon
2: too. I, Stop tweeting yeah. Elon. Stop doing I'd it. I'd be
1: like uh, frequently wrong but never in doubt. Mhm. And then they play victim. Yeah. The and victims. then
2: and then they had the nerve <laughs> to say that women are too emotional
1: hmm. Have you yep. seen these Twitter bros? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, my God. I call them Anywho. pants pissers and they don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: you know, one or two of them had an issue with that back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I know I knew it would hit land um, that those are very good. I like those. I like those. Uh, those were great. Um, I agree. A win is the government who, handing this really well. Yeah. Um, as we thought they would, because this is a serious issue. They they could not handle yeah. this badly. This is the and, thing I keep
2: saying about Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. It's like, actually, he's doing fine. Yeah, he's not exciting yeah. at all, but ja he's doing fine. Mm-hmm. Joe ja ja Biden. Oh, yeah. Ja Biden.
1: Um, <laughs> and I think a fail is probably these budget negotiations can stop really? taking us on the brink. Well, we're going to have a
2: shutdown, right? We're going to uh, have I, a shutdown. I don't shutdown. know. I don't know. It's, I just stopped
1: taking us to the brink. This is ridiculous. We didn't elect you to do this. We didn't. Do you think some we did? People did.
2: You, some the people did. Uh, Marjor- the people, people who elected Marjorie Taylor Greene elected yeah. her to do well, this.
1: That, well, that, it's one tiny little part of Georgia. Like they shouldn't yeah, determine yeah. these things and hold the rest uh-huh. of us hostage. Most people just want these things to work just like with this banking thing. Everyone just wanted it to calm the fuck it down. work, yeah, so anyway, that's what it is. Sam, that is the show. Uh, you can and should listen to Sam on his podcast, into it from Vulture and Stitcher's vibe check. Sam, what else is coming up on your shows? What's yeah, coming up? so
2: we just took into it from once a week to twice a week. Now Great. we're publishing on Tuesdays and Fridays. If you check our feed right now, the last week was all devoted to the Oscars. We talk about Oscars' historic problems with blockbusters. And then we have predictions from two Vulture film critics. how they And do? then they were pretty spot on. Everyone was like, it's going to be the year of everything. And they were right. Um, this week, we're going deep on... Uh, internet celebrity feuds. Uh, It'll be in Feeds Tuesday of this week. What's the big one? The Justin Bieber, Haley Bieber, Selena Gomez eyebrow feud. Yeah. It, it contains a multitude.
1: I'm going to just listen to it. I don't know about this.
2: And then we'll also break down uh, what's being called the biggest scandal in reality TV history. This is the Scandaval from the Vanderpump Rules. Oh. I usually don't follow these things, but there's something to be said about internet culture and TikTok and studying them. So that's what we do.
1: Wow. Is there a scandal? They're lying all the time. They do are. People,
2: they are. People
1: are shocked by this.
2: People are shocked. And that's hard to do for reality It's like TV, thinking TV wrestling,
1: world wrestling is... Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Right? Yeah. whatever okay oh it's real it's not real oh my god exactly. anyway please listen to all those things they're wonderful sam does wonderful job as you can see from here
2: uh thank you so okay. into it publishes tuesdays and fridays mm-hmm. featuring the best and brightest from vulture and my other show vibe check comes out every wednesday and we're talking mm-hmm. about all the things on that show as well yeah. vibe
1: all the vibe all the vibe yeah. all the vibe well get with the vibe i have no vibe just so you know
2: you have a lot of vibe kara i love your vibe. i don't
1: know it's not it's a, it's a whatever it's just a grumpy old lady that's my vibe me and jamie lee curtis she's just more friendly um okay we'll be back on friday with more pivot and scott uh we'll be back wherever he is i have no idea where he is uh sam please read us out
2: today's show was produced by lara Naiman, evan Ingle, and taylor griffin Ernie Indradat engineered this episode thanks also to Drew Burrows and Mia Silverio also subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts thank you for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media Kara, thank you for having me on of
1: course anytime yeah
2: the show was back on Friday for another breakdown of all things tech and business till then don't trust the Twitter dudes don't trust them